fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. This is not just a regular episode. This is like allegedly a live episode. Could that be possible, Wolf? Have we reached that threshold of technology in 2018 where we are actually broadcasting live for the first time? Is that possible? Is that really what's going on? That's the hopes. We'll find out if this actually works. I I certainly am not the most technological savvy man out there. No, sir, you are not. No, no, not, neither one of us are. You're trapped in like 1970 and, and don't even know what a cell phone is yet, still blasting Kesha. And I, I don't even, you know, I'm certainly no millennial that knows all this stuff. But what we're going for, we're testing it out. And, you know, the goal would be getting more user engagement. It's draft season, baby. So this is when people's questions are at the highest. This is when people need the most help. And getting a live broadcast in would make it even more useful for you guys. So if people are tuning in. This is our first time we didn't really advertise. Who knows if anybody's actually tuned into this or not. But, uh, if you are and you got a question, shoot us our way. This is the time to, to get those questions in, baby. Yeah, and this will be up as a podcast, you know, for those of you that subscribe. Uh, and I know many of you do. So uh, this information is going to come to you one way or another, uh, regardless of what decade you're living in. As you know, I loved your comment about me being stuck in 1970 listening to Kesha because she was huge in 1970, I, I have to say. I think she was <laughs> Five years old, maybe negative 30 uh, then. So uh, well played, sir. Anyway, here we are in the intro. Uh, we got a lot of things going on, obviously. I'm, I'm kind of on pins and needles here because the Rotor Street Journal expert draft is directly following our uh, broadcast. We At 8 o'clock, we're kicking off um, all the guys that work for RSJ, and most of them are not stupid, unfortunately. So uh, yeah. the draft is going to probably be pretty difficult. we got a half-point PPR league, 12 teams, uh, we don't know what slot we're drafting or anything like that yet, so we're just going to plunge in face first. Are you, are you excited for this, Wolf? Of course I am. It's actually my first draft of the season, too, so I can't wait to get the oh, good. juices rusty. going. I know. No, no rust, obviously. You've probably only done 650 000. mock drafts. That's a very huge underestimate. I've done about a million at this point. All yesterday, I kind of, for National Draft Day, too, in case you didn't know, National Draft Day. I, I put out a tweet. I'm going to do as many mock draft wizards as anybody wants. Ended up doing about 15, 20 throughout the day. Helped out the meat sweats at his live draft yesterday. He came over for the for his draft. It was fantastic. And he's got a good question for us later on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to shake off the rust. Get a, a, my first one in. I got my college league coming up Wednesday. And then the big hometown auction coming up Thursday. So right in the heart of everything. School starts this week too. So I'm all over the place. It's going to be a busy week and I love it. Yeah, well, we also got preseason week three in the books. I've actually started watching a lot of these games. All the meaningful action has wrapped up. We're a week away from real football. This is, I mean, this is key. Like Thursday night game next week counts. Uh, Mm -hmm. So get your drafts done. Updated draft day edition guide is coming out. This is a recap of the entire 2018 preseason, our biggest takeaways, an updated list of bargains, overpriced players, penny stocks, a fresh draft. This one the Rotor Street Journal's actual draft for all the marbles, updated cheat sheet, a must-get. It's all there, and I mean, I, I probably a bunch more than I didn't say, too. But anyway, mm-hmm. rotorstreetjournal.com slash draft day. That's all one word, draft day. Preview tonight with our 2018 preseason recap. 
Um, we got a big show coming up. Is there anything I missed before we get started? I think you nailed it all. I mean, this is obviously once the preseason week three wraps up, it's kind of when everyone starts to rest and you get really ready for that season. So, you know, there shouldn't be too many other meaningful waves throughout the fantasy universe. Maybe Dez actually does sign somewhere. Maybe there's a, a, you know, God forbid, a horrible practice injury like Deshaun Watson suffered week eight last year. Hope to God none of that stuff happens. We should be pretty set. So if you haven't checked out the big board, I mean, that's been flaming lately, but rotostreetjournal.com slash big board. I update it in real time any time the news happens rotostreetjournal.com slash stock watch another great way to track all those meaningful moves um, we're going to dive into those stock watches in a second but just make sure you're bookmarking those as draft season hits those two tools out of anything we do on the site i would say are just as useful as anything plus the draft guide that you just promoted agree totally um let me just ask you this before we get into the stock watch and we do Let's have do a it. couple uh noteworthy stock watch things to talk about do you think anyone should sign des Bryant, and do you think anyone will I mean, at this point, I would love to see the Patriots do it. I mean, if anybody should. Really? Yeah, honestly. I mean, who else do they freaking have at this point? We got well, Decker's gone for four weeks. Decker's gone, retired. Uh, there's nobody else there. I mean, they're gonna they'll figure it out. It's the Patriots. The the run game. They'll use Burkhead and James White a ton in the receiving game as well. But ultimately, I would love to see Brady get a weapon like Dez. I don't know how he looks. Obviously, it's a, it could be a locker room headache. But a place like New England would be perfect. Who knows if he could wrap his head around this entire offense, though. But, you know, ultimately, Brady can still put the ball where he wants it. Dez is still a physical freak. The most touchdowns in the league since, what, 2013 or something like that. The, the most touchdowns, I think, receiving in, in Cowboys history. Which yeah, is, you know. Big up. I mean, for obvious reasons, you could never have had Eric Decker and Des Bryant on the same football team. Uh, <laughs> too but much now playing. that Decker is gone, uh, that, that, that would potentially open the, the door for Dez's addition to the team. Absolutely. Anyway, we'll discuss that more in depth later. It's our first live show, so we probably uh, – we won't sully it with stuff like that. Um, we're going into the stock watch. And just to give you a quick, you know, kind of agenda breakdown, we're going to talk Marquise Lee's injury, uh, the Jaguars receivers in general, Josh Gordon back for now, Doug mm -hmm. Baldwin, Devontae Parker update. I hate Devontae Parker updates. I, I seriously, I'm so, I hate Devontae Parker updates. Um, <laughs> but we're going to do it anyway. And we're going to talk about the Dolphins receiving core. Uh, so we're going to get right into this right now. Number one, uh, we're going to talk Marquise Lee. Uh, per Adam Schefter, Jaguars wide receiver Marquise Lee is being placed on injured reserve today. That's a serious injury, obviously. He suffered mm -hmm. knee ligament damage Saturday night versus Atlanta on a hit that some believe is related to the NFL's recent rule changes, leading with the helmet and so on. His season, over. Wolf, talk to me. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty big news. It's obviously the fifth, not obviously, I should say very surprisingly, the fifth highest scoring attack last year were the Jaguars in terms of points per game. So they put up some points. Nathaniel Hackett's already said that we're going to be more aggressive in year two. Great Doors really has a better command of the entire offense, which will let us take more shots. So if this offense does take another whole step forward, as a unit, that's a big, big thing for this passing game. And now one less mouth is there to eat the targets. Obviously, you feel bad for Marquise Lee. I'm not saying, you know, this is a good thing for real life. Obviously, it stinks. But ultimately, it for fantasy-wise, it does clear the path just a little bit, makes that target totem pole a little bit clearer. My favorite to emerge is their leading receiver of last year, which kind of blows my mind. This guy led the team, was Keelan Cole, an undrafted free agent, kind of came out of nowhere and, and just dominated. He's, a, he's an athletic guy. He kind of streaks down the field really easily, can go up and make plays over people. I really like Keelan Cole. And obviously, last year, if you, if you followed us, you knew this guy exploded down the stretch, kind of like Adam Thielen almost a, a couple years, eerily similar to how those two just absolutely blew up. This guy, 
Um, he's logged the most snaps with the first-team offense, 78% this preseason, 42 of the 53 pass plays of the first-team offense. Cole was the main guy in there. So this guy has been the number one option there in the preseason outside of Lee. Those two kind of were starting. And I think he could pick up where he left off. It, obviously, that's you know not as the number two receiver, which he was for that humongous breakout stretch. The last four weeks, he only trailed you know one other receiver, Keenan Allen, that during that span. He had a 186-yard touchdown game, 108-yard six-catch game, 99 in the TD, 49 in the TD. I mean, this guy blew up. But that suggests to me that this guy could do it again. So he's my favorite target. I really like any of them, though, because they all go well beyond round 12 or so. And again, this offense could take that next step. Like Bortles could be even better in year two of this system. So maybe D.D. Westbrook becomes the guy. Maybe it's Dante Moncrief finally realizes his upside. I'll take a stab at any of the three-plus Austin Safarian Jenkins left uh, you know, at tight end, maybe any of those three could emerge with one less mouth to feed. Again, my bet's Keelan Cole. He's my favorite, uh, but who knows exactly how can you project it? Maybe it's a headache every single week. Either way, Marquise Lee removed will make it a little bit clearer for them all. All right. I mean, I, I found last year when we were fooling around with Jags receivers late in the year, I mean, I remember I picked up D.D. Westbrook late in the season and he did have one or two good games, but it, it was just kind of a, a source of stress constantly. And mm -hmm. uh, Cole ended up maybe having the bigger games. Um, all right. Let's talk Josh Gordon. There's been a Josh Gordon sighting. He was activated from the Browns reserve slash the non-football injury list, which is always a dubious place to be. Despite clearing this hurdle, Gordon is not currently practicing due to a hamstring ailment. What the hell is this about? Like, what? Anyway, while Browns coach Hugh Jackson said Josh Gordon will play, but not start in week one. Great news for all you, Josh Gordon. I mean, I guess actually it is better news than like hell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it, it's tricky though, right? Like he gets finally activated. He's off this list, um, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he's finally activated. So that's that's the good news, right? Is like we that that was the main, you know, clear that that was the hardest thing to figure out. Would he get off this list? Would he actually be active? So it's good that he's active. And the hamstring thing, you know, I, I was reading from that Dr. Chu guy, the guy that the fantasy um doctor, whatever they call him. Uh, he was saying this is pretty common that if somebody comes off of this and right in the first kind of week of not practicing in football activities, the hamstrings, there's tightness, things like that. So I'm not overly worried about that either. And I'm not overly worried about the whole starting designation. The guy hasn't been with the team. It seems like a, you know, a coaching move to not just let this guy walk in and suddenly be a starter. I could see him playing just as many snaps as he normally would as long as those hamstrings are fine. It's still obviously, you know, a little bit riskier now that he's not going to be a guaranteed starter. Maybe yeah. he's on a pitch count for that first week. I doubt you could start him, and it makes him a little bit less attractive in a draft. When you're drafting this guy, you have to pay, what, fifth-round price or so at that point. You're not getting a starter in the fifth round. I'd almost rather have a guy like Mark Ingram at that point than if I'm not taking an immediate starter. At least I know what Mark Ingram's going to be doing. But ultimately, Gordon's upside is still enormous. He's got Todd Haley on his side. This guy's a, a wide receiver whisperer. He's got you know the best quarterback of his career in either Tyrod Taylor or Baker, whichever one it ends up being. It's going to be better than anyone that's ever thrown to him. He had the seventh worst quarterback rating thrown to him when he led the league in 14 games receiving. So, I mean, it can only go up from there. Physical freak, complete dominant. You know, everything is pointing to a massive breakout and you know, uncapped ceiling. But he has to get on the field. We have to see it before I can truly believe it. I'll still go on all in on Gordon, though, you know, round five or so. The upside just is unmatchable at that stage of the draft. I agree. I don't see him even with him being such 
just so filled with red flags. And even with this not starting, I don't see him necessarily getting to round five in too many drafts. I really mm -hmm. don't because the upside is so great. So uh, we'll see. Maybe if he is around uh, around that time, I can tell you right now, and we're drafting together in a few minutes, I would be tempted to grab him. And I know mm -hmm. you would be too. We're going to be stealing people from each other. I know. It's going to be so annoying. I know. All right. Number three, let's talk. The Athletics, Michael Sean Doger. And there are some great quotes in here. You know how I love quotes. Reports Doug Baldwin, and we're talking about his knee here, is, and this is a quote, clearly close to returning. And this is also a quote, fully. <laughs> I knew you'd have a field day with that one. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely loved Baldwin before the injury started happening with him. Um, and now, you know, this happened and it was annoying, but I love the fact that he's going uh, all the way now at this point. It, he has to really get on the field for me to feel 100% fully confident. Is this going to be something that could potentially linger? I'm not too sure, but ultimately he's one of the toughest players in the league. Doug Baldwin always has been. He's always played through little nagging things and dominated. And there's nobody else there that he's really competing with for targets at this point. Uh, there's definitely nobody with established red zone chemistry. Now that Jimmy Graham led the league in red zone targets is gone. Now that Paul Richardson, who is behind Jimmy Graham, uh, for red zone targets on the team is gone. And we've seen Baldwin. He had, what, 15 touchdowns just two to three years ago when Graham and Richardson weren't threats there. Could he recreate that magic? Probably not the unbelievable. He set NFL records for 10 touchdowns in like six games. I don't think he's going to do that again, but he could certainly have his usual 1,200, 1,300 yards and see an uptick to that eight to 10 touchdown range. I've always been a Baldwin guy. I know you have too. And yep. I, I'm willing to to go back in on him. He's risen from the bottom of round three, early round four of my big board with this concern lingering to now back up into early round three, not up into, he was round two, you know, over Tyree kill over guys like that for me mm -hmm. at this point. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that, but early round three after Diggs and Hill are gone. I could see, I, I would love Baldwin as my number two more than anything. I wouldn't be too comfortable with him as a number one, but as my second receiver, if I go receiver in round two, I would really love to have Baldwin for sure. All right, I hear that. All right, number four, and I told you I hate even hearing anything about this guy, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Dolphins coach Adam Gase, and that's, that's not who I hate. I got no beef with Gase. Uh, said Devontae Parker, and we're talking about his finger injury, still has not been cleared to catch. Uh, stop the presses. I mean, are his stats going to be any different? I don't know. Uh, talk to us, Wolf. Tell me about Devontae Parker. The fact this guy even gets drafted. I'm a legitimate Devontae Parker hater. I, can, I can't stand the guy. He's soft as all hell. He's got all the physical gifts you could ever ask for, and he's made nothing of it because he's complete soft. Nobody. I mean, doesn't work hard. He can. All these reports come out that he's working as hard as blah, blah. It doesn't mean anything for this guy ever. I'll never try. Trust Devontae Parker again. And this is a clear another reason why. Obviously, he's not catching. That's a little bit important if you're a wide receiver. All this matters to me is it's just even more targets for Kenny Stills, for Danny Amendola. Parker's not even that great of a fit in the system anyways. Adam Gase, a very screen-heavy guy. He went out this offseason, targeted Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, two very good receivers off the screen right now. And then, obviously, Kenny Stills, our very established chemistry there with Gase, Played really well with Ryan Tannehill a couple of years back. We had a great interview with Elliot Christ, ffbdpod.com slash Chris, C-R-I-S-T. If you haven't heard that one, it's our second Wolf segment after Field Yates, and this guy actually brought some Wolf takes to this one. Loves Kenny Stills, has his, him as his number one round nine to ten target wide receiver, sees him finishing potentially in the top 15, and all his points made sense. I don't know if I'll see him finishing that high, but the volume's certainly going to be there, and Parker being gone only opens up more. Obviously, Jarvis Landry was the number one guy there, and he's gone. Parker was the number two guy. He's gone. 
it's it's all great news to me. I love Kenny Stills and Danny Amendola. A, a nice like Penny stock at this point. Yeah, he had I a nice like session. I don't know if you saw his little jaunt into the end zone this weekend, but read his blocks really well and and shows like he's a, that perfect fit for the gay screen game. He just would have to stay healthy, which he never does. All right, we're going to get right into our preseason risers and fallers. We're going to preview the guide that, as I alluded to at the beginning of the show, is coming out soon. There's 10 mm -hmm. must-know preseason risers in the guide. We're only going to touch on three tonight. So there's a lot more information even on the guys we're talking about, but then there's seven other guys you're going to want to hear about as well. Uh, Wolf, real quick, remind us again, how can we get this guide? Where is it at? rotostreetjournal.com slash draft day. This is the, the draft day update to everything we already did in that preseason kickoff. If you haven't read that, it's still worth reading. But if not, at this point, just wait for this guide. We'll have all the bargains that still mattered from that still in this one. We'll have all the overprices you want to avoid that still matter in this one. But it's going to be updated. And number one on this list is a clear reason why. We had some guys listed on overpriced that we didn't love their original situations uh, leading into the preseason, but some trends, some usage. You know, you never want to overreact to the preseason. I get that, but there are some stuff to see. You know, first team snaps. How is the rapport between a new quarterback and his new weapons looking? Things like that really do matter. And people that ignore that, you can gain a huge edge on. And this is going to be that huge edge gainer for you, where we look at all the stuff that mattered in this preseason, who rose, who fell because of it. And if you miss out this, if you go to CVS and just drop, like, you know, get yourself, if you're watching this, you're not a sheep. You're not going to do that. But anybody, there's so many people, you know, they just show up with the ESPN magazine from CVS. That came out like a off. month and a half ago. Right, exactly. You know, so at that stage, it, it, you don't want – you can get such a big leg up by downloading this. So, again, rotostreetjournal.com slash draft day, updated with all the crucial information of the preseason. Make sure you check that one out. All right, I'm going to keep you to like two minutes max on each one of these. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, who knows if you'll even go that far, but we're going to try to get out of here on time so we can actually get into the Rotor Street Journal uh, draft room and, and talk a little shit. Right. Uh, Let's start with Christian McCaffrey, who you alluded to. We've we've been all over McCaffrey all year, and not necessarily for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were down on McCaffrey for a while with the addition of C.J. Anderson, um, but he's our first riser, literally, and it was an easy choice for the first guy on the list. Christian McCaffrey, workhorse role confirmed. Talk to us about the change of uh, mindset at the Rose Street Journal, yourself personally, and why it came about. Yeah, absolutely. This guy is by far the biggest riser. And like we talked about last week, it's easy to have a guy rise when you believe in the talent. I've always loved McCaffrey. I just was not sure that the usage was going to be there, especially with CJ Anderson coming in and DJ Moore and, and Greg Olson returning. So receiving game usage might get eaten into, into carries from CJ Anderson might get into. Those worries are all completely erased. This guy is the absolute engine of this offense, and there's no doubt about it. He logged 59 of 66 first-team snaps. That's 89% as compared to 7 of 66 for C.J. Anderson, just a measly 11. So C.J. Anderson, no worries. By far, McCaffrey was the highest-targeted receiver, most carries. He had every single carry and touch inside the 10-yard line, was the only guy that came on the field in the red zone. So he's he, he, true workhorse, three downs. Red zone, everything. I didn't expect that from McCaffrey. He's a smaller frame. Didn't think he was going to be this much, especially after only 12.3 touches last year. But already, you know, Ron Rivera said it's going to be ideal to get this guy 25 touches a week. Uh, and then, you know, North Turner, the new offensive coordinator, said, yep, I, I agree with that. It's definitely realistic. And it seemed like coach speak, but this guy, North Turner, rode LaDainian Tomlinson, very similar frame, smaller guy, to absolute mass massive workloads. He knows how to get his guys into space, and so they're not taking 
taking humongous hits every play, whether it's the screen game, whether it's sweeps, tosses, fits McCaffrey's running style perfectly. So, I mean, again, nobody else was touching the field with the first-team offense. His, his, his final stat line on the preseason is just insane. Uh, 221 total yards, 151 of them were rushing, two TDs, 21 total touches, and eight catches, and just about two and a half quarters of action. This guy could be a true, you know, almost David Johnson-style cheat code. I love him. Yeah, it's really hard to disagree with anything that you just said. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been, my expectations for him have been surpassed completely. You know, if it if he doesn't pan out, it is going to be one of these things where it's like, oh, you guys went nuts on what you saw in the preseason. But it's like you can't unsee what what we've seen. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you've seen we've seen it. Like so now, I'm I'm expecting to see it on the field at least. You know, some high percentage of what we saw in the preseason. I have to imagine is going to translate into the regular season. So we'll see what happens. Second guy on the list, uh, and this is a guy that's being picked regularly, you know, behind another receiver on his team, which mm -hmm. to me at this point seems crazy. That's Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Case Keenum's new slot target hog. I wonder, is it slot target hog or target? Uh, you know what? That's weird phrasing, but that's what he is. He's a target <laughs> hog and he plays out of the slot. Uh, what have you seen out of Sanders? Yeah, and those are the both the two things. I didn't know exactly how to mesh those two together. A little confusing. But the key is he's playing the slot, and because of that, he's become a target hog, and it all makes sense. Yep. So last – this you know dress rehearsal week, he ran 74% of his routes out of the slot. That's 64% now in the whole preseason. Only 28% Sanders ran in the slot last year. And this is huge because Case Keenum – is just notorious for peppering the slot. Adam Thielen's 25% target share of the slot led the NFL last year, and this was especially true on third downs. And we've already seen this translating in the preseason. Thielen only trailed Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins uh, with 32% of his team's targets on third downs. Again, all those coming out of the slot. And already this preseason, Sanders has – uh, six of Keenum's 10 third downs, so that's 60% target share. 15 of his 34 total throws in general have been uh, gone to him, so that's 44% target share. Both tops of any wide receiver, whether it's third down percentage or just overall target percentage, that, that's the most by any wide receiver this entire preseason, and he's doing some damage with it at this point. He had four catches, 61 yards, then added a, a sweet 27-yard TD run, broke 1,000 tackles on it. Uh, it, it was incredible. So, you know, you look at Thielen's massive 91 catch, 1,276-yard breakout, and Sanders is now playing that role. I know it's a different offensive coordinator, but you got that familiarity from the, uh, the – the Keenum loves that short intermediate range. He has that comfort zone with this guy, and that's going to be Sanders this year. He's blowing up. Uh, so I, I love Sanders. I wasn't a huge Sanders guy going into the offseason, and, and now after the preseason, the fact that Demarius Thomas is going – even above him, never mind 50 picks more than, than Sanders right now. Sanders falling to 91, whereas Thomas goes around the 40s. Blows my mind. Those two should be completely flipped, uh, and I'm all about Sanders right now. All right. Came in right at two minutes. Well well played, Wolf. Absolutely. Uh, well played. All right, number three, Peyton Barber, a legitimate starting running back that you can get in your drafts in the 10th round and beyond. I am living proof of this. I got this guy in my hometown league and I think the 14th round, the last round where it wasn't a defense or kicker taken. He was my last pick, um, which you said at the time might be the steal of the draft. Mm -hmm. And I think it still is. I think it's only been more and more confirmed that it's the steal of the draft. I can't believe he got him that late. He's creeping up into round eight, nine nowadays. And then that's still maybe an undersell for this guy, what he's doing right now. He's had only, uh, you know, this this preseason week three had five carries, 34 yards, another touchdown, 
6.8 yards per carry. Third straight week, he's gone over five yards a carry. So the guy's been very efficient with all his touches. His 14-yard touchdown run just kind of showed the type of runner he is. He's, he's not pretty, but he'll find the creases. He'll break the tackles, and he'll just churn. And that that was, you know, you saw Doug Martin couldn't churn. He had like a, you know, under three yards a carry last year behind this line. Barber had 4.5 yards a carry, the only guy to average over four yards a carry last year on this team. And, and now he's going to be feasting. I mean, they've already said this guy's the starter. Dirk Cutter came out and said it last week. He had all of the eight first team snaps this week. It's all been confirmed that it's going to be the Barber show. And then you compare him to Jones. You know, we're going to talk about fallers in a second. And it's pretty clear. I mean, Jones has more carries, 18 carries as compared to uh, 15 for Barber. 15's gone. I mean, Barber's taken those 15 for 87 yards and two TDs, whereas Jones taken his 18 for 18 yards, an average of one yard per carry as compared to, you know, 5.8 for, for Barber. His long carry, Jones, is five yards this preseason. So, I mean, he's been completely abysmal, whereas Barber's shined. And at this point, it's pretty clear who that starter is going to be. Uh, Dirk Cutter even said, we, we're not opposed to giving this guy 20 touches a game. That's what we, we like what he's going to do if we gave him that. It's a workhorse that you're getting in round eight or nine. I, I'm all about it. All right. I'm convinced. And I mean, that makes me feel fantastic because my running back situation is a little sketchy and it would sure be nice to have grabbed a legitimate starter, maybe a starter for the season in the 14th round. All right. Well, you got risers. You obviously have fallers. You can't have one without the other, <laughs> obviously. And amidst those risers, as we referred to, like there's people that are falling CJ Anderson, Demarius Thomas, they're going to see less work with the emerging. And I love this term volume vacuums <laughs> that are forming around them. Ronald Jones, as we just talked about, is, has lost more steam than anybody, maybe in the entire preseason rookie running backs in general, Darius Geis, of course. I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, sad fall. Uh, Rashad Penny, Nick Chubb, these are all featured fallers and you can read about them in the guide. We're going to get into one of them. Uh, one of the more hyped up guys who we've never been a fan of. And I can say, honestly, I've literally never been a fan of this guy, no matter what team he was on. I've been very consistent for years now. Uh, and this preseason only further slid him down the list. And that, of course, bum, 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 Sammy Watkins. Uh, mm -hmm. We got a little shit for having him so low and Tyreek uh, Tyree Hill so high. I mean, lots of experts, and we're going to use experts gently, but uh, lots of experts moved Tyreek dramatically lower, even with last year proving he's not like a gadget player. They still had him low, deep into round three because of the move, picking up Sammy Watkins. Uh, let's check out how this has played out so far. Wolf, take it away. Yeah, so, so again, we were always Tyreek Hill guys, and the only positive of Sammy Watkins joining this team was he's kept – Tyreek Hill's ADP in the third round, which is just embarrassing. And if that's still going to happen in drafts after this preseason, then uh, by all means, please sign me up. I'm all in on Tyreek again. And yeah. let's look at the, the difference between these two. Sammy Watkins, he's seen seven looks from Pat Mahomes. That's only 16% of his target share. And he's hauled in just one of those seven looks, 15 yards and no TDs. Instead, he's had one drop. Uh, one one of his targets go for an interception, and one that should have been an interception that got dropped. So Sammy Watkins clearly disastrous so far, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a complete disaster all year. He'll have his big games, but it's pretty damn clear he's the fourth option at best on this team right now, which is what we've been saying all along. We've said Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey are all above this guy. Where is he going to fit in? So yeah, he'll have his blowups, but are you going to ever be able to predict that? 
Probably not. Meanwhile, let's look at Tyree Kill. Clearly, Pat Mahomes' favorite target. He's seen a team high 14 targets. That's 33% of his 42 throws. Uh, he's got 183 yards on those 14 targets and one TD, which we all saw in week two. That 69-yard, you know, beautiful TD bomb. That just he's gotten us like 70,000 views on YouTube. Exactly. My favorite TD bomb of all time. Sure, sure. Um, and that's exactly why we've loved Mahomes and loved Tyreek is because we saw him buy time and then just – as if it was nothing, just rope that thing down the field, 70 yards, just a flick of the wrist. And that's going to be happening all, all season. So you see all these stats. He only had four red zone targets. He never had a touchdown that was less than 35 yards. I don't give a shit. I'd rather have a 70-yard bomb touchdown than a two-yard red zone outlook. And he's going to keep doing that. He's th- This preseason to this dress rehearsal week might have even been more important, more impressive to me than his was week two 70-yard bomb in the sense that he had eight targets Catches all eight of them for 88 yards, just dominating every layer of the field. Third down, just a quick five-yard out, breaking tackles to get the first. Just a tons of little looks like that that you might think would go to the more complete guy, Sammy Watkins. It was Tyree Kill dominating those looks. So, you know, it's been a huge stark contrast, not even close in terms of how many targets they're getting. Hill's doubled them up. The production, 15 yards versus 184 one more time, just so you know that. Crazy. Interceptions on Sammy Watkins throws touchdowns to Hill. It's just a no-brainer who the number one is here. And if Sammy Watkins is going to keep Hill in the third round still, then you're a sheep. You're a joke. Tyree Kill's the man. This just ended up being a complete puff piece for Tyree Kill, by the way. It wasn't. Yeah, we no, know, but it, it's not Sammy Watkins sucks. But it makes the point. I hate when people say, and I know you said this kind of tongue in cheek, but when someone says someone, you know, Sammy, the more complete receiver, it's like, yeah. well, I don't. Who the uh, hell cares? Like Hill's clearly better than him, right? Like, what complete? How? Like. Not as fast, worse hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, more complete. Right. Anyway, let's talk mailbag because we do have a couple mailbags in. We have some questions going on in the live broadcast now that I look at it, too. I couldn't see him on our thing, but our boy Danger Close is tuning in now. Remember him? I do. He's, he's the one that, uh, yeah, the, good, good to see you, man. I love that uh, draft you sent me the other day, by the way. You did a great job. I'm going to yeah, have to start looking at questions. We didn't know if we'd have any viewers for this, so you, we've exceeded expectations. Uh, thanks for Absolutely, thanks for yeah. the question. Far away. I yeah. can't see the question, so give it to me. I, I will. Let's uh, we'll run through these three. I'm kind of catching up on him right now. He's just commenting. He said Wolfpack guys in the. He's talking about Josh Gordon at this point. I imagine shape of his life off the drugs. Upside, upside, upside. Josh Gordon, which we agree with. Uh, truth, all those shirts on sale. So obviously CJ wants them. CJ, new merchandise came in today. I just got the call from Ben Franklin. So new merch. Uh, we got dude. Now nah, I haven't even told you about some of this. Polos, tank tops, tons of great stuff. Trucker hats. I mean, we're we're, we're taking our merchandise to the next level this uh, you summer. Send me a sample pack. Oh, absolutely. We'll send you a little smorgasbord. All right. Top five finish for McCaffrey says close, and you know we're all in Sanders on my bench. LMAO, he's laughing his ass off at that. Wolfpack abides. Yep, you, we're all with you close. So, yep, uh, no, no uh, disagreements here. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the engagement, Danger. And if you have any questions, please feel free to add them on. Awesome. All right, let's get into the mailbag that we already had. And if, if somebody pops up or has another question uh, while we're doing this, maybe we'll get to it. We got, you know, uh, seven or eight minutes left, so we'll see what happens. Uh, question number one is from Jake. I have pick four of 12. In a PPR league, are Zeke's offensive line concerns enough to worry you and now go for Antonio Brown instead? Who would you pair up with either one of those guys in round two if you took him in round one? 
Good question. Yeah, great, great, fantastic question. And I, I'm glad you brought up Zeke's line concerns. He's dropped to number four because of that for me. But you guys, if you've been listening to this, you know my status. It is workhorse, workhorse, workhorse as much as I can. I'm not passing up on a top four workhorse, especially these locked-in guys, especially with more receiving work potentially coming for Zeke this year. I love Antonio Brown. I know how high the floor and how high the ceiling are. He's a huge edge at wide receiver compared to everyone outside of DeAndre Hopkins. I'm still going for the horse, though. I'm still going with Zeke. There's such a big drop-off, not only just after those top four, but then after the top 12 in general. You're not going to get a top 12 running back, most likely, if you pass up on one there. I need the horse, so I'm going with him. And I'll look for a guy like, uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey would be the ideal guy if he falls there in round two at this point, which is crazy, again, that we flipped that much on this, saying he was once overpriced in round two to saying he's an absolute steal. But if he falls there, Christian McCaffrey, PPR league, would be a dominant steal. Uh, and if if not him, Jordan Howard, you guys know how high I am on him. They're saying he's going to be a third down back. Uh, Matt Nagy is him and Tyreek Tariq Cohen on the field a lot at the same time. Cohen more at wide receiver than anything at this point. Not that I think that Howard's going to be this monster third down back all of a sudden, but he'll get some more looks. He's worked on improving those hands. He's going to be running more of the shotgun this year inside zone, which is what his whole game was at Indiana. He was an absolute monster playing in the system. Averaged No, no surprise then that he's averaged 6.5 yards of carry out of the shotgun as compared to 4.3 under center now much more of that's a staple under Nagy 45% of Kareem Hunt's runs were out of the the shotgun formation last year much more than Jordan Howard saw so a better fitting scheme for him and a better overall offense I would love to see Jordan Howard whether I go a b or Zeke if Christian McCaffrey's not there I'm looking to get Jordan Howard there I mean I want to say I agree with you completely I actually in, in the draft that I did just last week on, on Thursday now, it's a draft with a weird roster setup and a weird scoring system. Mm-hmm. It's a one running back, two wide receiver, and then three flex. And one of those flexes you can play a second quarterback in, league. Um, and it is two-point PPR. And weird. I, I had the opportunity at pick five to take Zeke or Antonio Brown, and I took Brown. At two-point PPR, that's a no. Zeke, I mean, AB should go number one overall in a two-point PPR. There, there's other... Yeah, I mean, looking at how the league went, I mean, it was like everybody drafted wrong, probably including mm-hmm. me. But, uh, you know, there's other random ways for running backs. It's like a high point lead. There's other ways that like Zeke could get points too, but two point PPR, uh, and you only got to field one running back. I took Antonio Brown. And I don't blame you there. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. smart. <laughs> All right. Question number two If I'm in a keeper league, who are some late round guys to take stabs on that might pan out huge for me in 2018? This is from. Meat sweats himself, the sweatiest of meats. <laughs> and we actually, I got this question from him yesterday, and we had his draft, and I gave him some names to target. So I just kind of want to refresh this now. We'll uh, run them down. Got a couple minutes left. Absolutely. Uh, the first name to look at, not necessarily a real late round guy, but a guy I told Meat Sweats to make sure to target, Tevin Coleman, free agent running back this year. Who knows if the, the Falcons will go all out to resign this guy when they already have Devonta Freeman as their number one. So maybe Coleman lands in a, a whole new situation. What if he goes to the Texans, let's say, and they get rid of Lamar Miller's plodding ass and we see Tevin Coleman, very talented, very speedy guy that could absolutely be a featured back. I could see him landing somewhere. You get him in round seven. He lands with the Texans. He's around one pick next year. 
humongous potential value. Otherwise, Darius Geis, I know, you know, you're going to have to stash him and wait and not get any value this year for him. But if you can get him around 13 of this year's draft because no one else is thinking of him, and then suddenly he turns over next year, you get Darius Geis round two, round one even potential running back the way he looked this preseason for a 13-round price. That's another no-brainer. And the last one I would say is James Conner. Uh, the backup for the Steelers right now. Obviously, Levy and Bell probably going to report. Everything should be okay, but he's a free agent. You got to think that the bad blood is boiled enough between these two teams. I could see Bell definitely being in a new uniform next year. And James Conner's been so good, you'd expect them to draft a guy or, or pick up a free agent, but there is a chance James Conner would enter 2019 as the featured back for the Steelers. Sweats took him in the last round last night, and everybody in the draft was like, no, no, I wanted Conner. He was on my list. This is the guide for, for keeper leagues to definitely check and circle because he could be the Steelers' featured back come next year. Way to go, Sweats. Yes. All right, last one. Will Cotter, four days out from draft day. I am pick number five. Have you put any thought into how to draft a 10-man league? I assume he's talking about a 10-team league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you deal with 12-team leagues more. Does your philosophy change at all? I have a couple of thoughts on that. What do you think? It doesn't change a whole ton. Uh, but ultimately, there is more depth at running back and receiver when there's only 10 teams versus 12. You don't think it would make that big of a difference, only two less teams, but it really does. It really adds some depth. At the end of the draft, you're still seeing guys like Tariq Cohen and Lynch and people sitting around rounds 10 or so because it does just end up being that much more depth at the positions. So it, it changes a little bit. I really like getting a guy like Gronk, getting that huge tight end edge. Yeah. Um, a guy like maybe Deshaun Watson, that type of cheat code at quarterback. I don't ever like to reach on quarterbacks. I'm still not going to be like, oh, I need to get Watson round three now. But let's say Gronk's there at the end of round two where he's normally going. Let's say Watson falls to the end of round five or early six. This, These are the type of leagues you want to get those edges yeah. on. Uh, so it changes a little bit in that sense. Supply and demand, the, those philosophies we always preach. In 12-team leagues, the running backs and wide receivers thin out so much faster, whereas there's only 10 starters at quarterback and tight end. You really want to get that edge uh, in that case, and it's pretty easy to gain it in a 10-team league when you have the depth options. So that's that's where I might take a quarterback and a tight end a little bit earlier and make sure I lock in those single edges in a 10-team league. I agree with that completely. That that was exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, it, it piles up, and on the couple positions where there is a clear-cut edge from the top two, three guys – uh, mm-hmm. Nice to take a stab at those. I mean, you could include the workhorse running backs in that as well. Obviously, you're probably taking those guys. You got one of the first four, maybe even five picks anyway. But uh, something like tight end where there is a really pronounced edge to having one of the top guys or even the top guy. Yeah, I'd be more inclined to do that. I agree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Uh, we're going to get out of here right now because we got the Rotor Street Journal expert draft coming up in 20 minutes. Uh, we're mm-hmm. certainly going to be chatting about that in the future. Uh, if you tuned in, thanks a lot. If you didn't, you're going to see us, you know, and it's not your fault if you didn't, by the way. Nobody knew we were doing this. Uh, but if you didn't, uh, we're going to be releasing this, hopefully, as episode 31 for the podcast, hopefully in the next day or two. We'll see what happens. Uh, enjoy your drafts. I know you guys got a lot coming up. The whirlwind is at its apex. Mm-hmm. And next Thursday, we got real football. Uh, well, if you got any social media you want to pump up. Absolutely. Like you just mentioned, this is our first time doing this. So let us know if you did tune in. And if you didn't tune in and you're watching the replay, anything we could do better, anything we enjoyed to do again, hopefully this just becomes the new norm that we broadcast this live every week. Um, 
and we obviously, of course, want to be as useful and helpful as possible. So I don't know if we missed any questions, anything like that. I apologize if you sent something in and we missed. I just saw a lot of comments from Danger and Danger again. Thanks for watching. Uh, but if you want to get the show notes for this and catch any other episode you might have missed, visit ffbdpod.com, ffbdpod.com. Find all the show notes there for any episode that you, you might have missed. Uh, you can visit us at rotostreetjournal.com is our homepage, Roto Street Journal on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, definitely follow us there. We have a lot of broadcasts going on both of those. And then Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat. Me personally, find me at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and Snapchat as well, taking questions all the time, daily draft wizard requests, whatever it is, it's the time of the year for, for fantasy football. It's my favorite time of the year. So I'd love to chat it with you and anybody else. Hit me up. That's it. My name is Nat Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.